Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Listen, before I get this started, I wanted to go and give a special shout out to a buddy of mine, Brendan. Um, We got to hang out. He's actually a listener of the podcast. We got to hang out over at ADCC. Uh, I know it's been a while since I got to put on an episode. It's been a crazy last couple of weeks, but it was a blast hanging out with you guys. up in uh, California and uh, checking out one of the best uh, grappling tournaments I've ever seen uh, in general. But uh, just wanted to say uh, what's up to them. Thanks so much for uh, for hanging out. And uh, sorry we didn't get to hang out uh, more uh, while watching the tournament. But uh, it was a blast hanging out with you and your buddy. Um, also, big shout out to... Uh, Wagner and everybody that competed and my buddy JT uh, they competed at the end it was pretty crazy to see two friends of mine compete Uh, congratulations to everybody that won Uh, Gordon Ryan killed it Uh, we're going to talk about it more in this episode of the podcast but before we continue please remember to hit the bell if you're watching or listening to this on YouTube Uh, appreciate the support and support the podcast by hitting the subscribe button whether it's on Spotify iTunes Google Play wherever you listen to us please hit subscribe please share the podcast if you really like it and we appreciate all the support that you guys give us because it does help out a lot and uh, you'll find out more as we go uh, about things um, for you guys to find out just how much uh, it does help out the podcast. So if you want to support the podcast, go ahead and check out our Instagram at Jiu-Jitsu Radio. There you'll see a link where you can pick up some of the shirts that I design. All the profits go to help keeping the podcast rolling. So we much appreciate it when you guys pick one up. Also, This podcast is brought to you by Choke Aloha. Check out ChokeAloha.com and use the promo code Jujitsu Radio at checkout and you'll get 20% off your entire order. Yes, I always push Choke Aloha. I always uh, re-gram or retweet or whatever the the images that they put out because if they give a better discount, I'm going to make sure you guys get it. We always try to hook you up. They are an awesome brand. They have supported the podcast since day one. So go check out if you love surf culture and jujitsu culture, they are your go-to place with some awesome patches, some awesome gear like the rash guards that you guys see me wear every time I post it. I'm always rocking my Chocaloha gear. I think probably four out of the six days a week that I train, when I do get to train consistently, you're going to see me rock something Chocaloha-wise. So you can get your own at Chocaloha.com, and you can get it at a dope discount of 20% off when you use the promo code Jiu-Jitsu Radio. And you know who else you guys should check out? Check out our homies over at Jiu-Jitsu Soap Co. Use the promo code JJRadio, and you'll get 10% off any of the soaps, the hats, the shirts, Whatever, you name it, you'll get 10% off of it. I always stock up every few weeks on the soaps. I freaking love it. I don't use anything else. The only time you're going to catch me using anything else other than jujitsu soap is if I'm traveling on the road just because I want to carry as little as possible. But other than that, every shower that I'm in, that's the soap that I'm using. And that's the soap you should be using because you're going to thank me later. But they don't have just soaps. They got bath bombs for those of you that like to take a little soak after a uh, bath or after a training session, rather. Uh, I can't fit in a bathtub because I'm too tall. So all you little people, you know, you're welcome. You're lucky. 
Um, but they got some dope gear too, man. They got some awesome patches. They got some uh, cool exclusive stuff. And it's uh, usually limited edition. So if you see something you like, go snag it. And you can snag it at a discount when you use the promo code JJ Radio. Let them know we sent you. Uh, it's an awesome company. It's a small, simple uh, company run by uh, a fellow jujitsu uh, practitioner. So, you know, you got to support the crew. And then if you're going to support the crew, Check out our friends over at GiraffeChoke.com. Go pick yourself up a Superman punch hat, a rear naked choke hat or t-shirt. They got some ton. Uh, they got some awesome gear um, that is limited edition because they're going to come up with some newer designs in the next couple of weeks that I can't wait to check out. But you can get yours now and you can save 25%. On orders of 99 or more, when you use the promo code JJRadio at GiraffeChoke.com. Whenever you see, I and I get this question all the time every time I wear my rear naked choke hat is, where the hell did I get that hat? Or the heel hook hat? Giraffe Choke. GiraffeChoke.com is the website and the promo code is JJRadio. Go support them. Go check them out. Shout out to all of our sponsors. This time around... Now, this episode was supposed to come out a few weeks ago, right when I got back from ADCC, but unfortunately, between getting sick and having some audio issues with this episode that we were trying to fix, unfortunately, we couldn't make it happen, so it's actually going to kind of come down to an abrupt stop at the end because it just didn't process. Um, It's just the the unfortunate side effect of doing the remote um, podcasts, unfortunately. Um. Uh, our friend called in and it just, um, you know, at the end of the, the podcast, it's supposed to process and for whatever reason, it just cut off. So it's only missing the last six minutes. You guys don't miss that much. Uh, it was just going over the calls and stuff. But the rest of the podcast is dope as hell. After ADCC and actually during ADCC, um, I had tons of questions for this guy. He's been on the podcast before. He is an official ADCC ref. He is a jiu-jitsu black belt now based out of Orlando, Florida. He's a good friend of mine. And like I said, the whole time I was at ADCC, I was texting him, asking him questions like, did you see this? Do you agree with that call? Would it have been this? We should have done that, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he's always my go-to anytime I I want to get clarification on um, on ref decisions. By far, one of the most neutral refs that I've ever met. Um, one of the most knowledgeable people when it comes down to to technique and it comes down to how the game is um, judged and how competitors are are being judged as far as um, you know different rule sets because it can get pretty confusing. And um, this man definitely is my go-to every time. So without further ado, a uh, good friend of mine, official ADCC ref, jujitsu black belt, Carlos Diaz. You can't neba. <laughs> Deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence, and nobody can hang with my stuff. Keep stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine right, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Jiu-Jitsu Radio. Today, I have a very good friend of mine. He's been on the podcast before. Uh, I was actually going back and forth with him on the phone all throughout ADCC this weekend. He was my main source of information. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu black belt, now living in Orlando, an official ADCC ref, so we know we're going to get the proper information. Uh, Carlos Diaz. Carlos, welcome back, brother. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much for having me back. No, it's good. Uh, thanks for coming. I know it was kind of last minute, and uh, I know you and I were going back and forth a lot this weekend about all the craziness that was going on. So overall consensus, from your point of view, what did you think about the show? Um, I've been involved with ADCC for geez, over 15 years now. And um, one of the messages I sent to one of the, the, the promoters and organizers for the event is that this ADCC is what every other grappling jiu-jitsu event should be measured to. It, it, it was the most amazing event I've seen. Just, you know, production-wise, uh, the looks, you know, I, I know how ADCC treats their athletes, um, I loved it. I, I thought it was amazing, at least from from the perspective watching it at home. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, I I a hundred percent agree with you, and I was there in person. I know I was trying to peer pressure you to to come out to California so you could come and see it too. But uh, no, a hundred percent. I think it was by far one of the most exciting jiu-jitsu tournaments that I've ever been to. Even just grappling or MMA in general all combined by far is definitely one of the most exciting ones that I ever been to from start to finish. They definitely had the right flow, the right setup. Um, I think that top to bottom, uh, they definitely pulled off a great show. Absolutely. And, and, you know, not only production alone, but if you look at, you know, who was in the event, you know, even even people that were unexpected to perform the way that they should have, you know, the the level of talent was just absolutely unreal. Yeah, no, I I know there's a lot of there's a lot of people that that snuck up in there and kind of took people by surprise, especially when you look into the into the absolutes. Uh, Lockman Giles can kind of came in and caught everybody off guard. You know, I I, I love a I I love an underdog story, so you know. I became a, you know, whenever his heel hook instructional comes out, I'm definitely buying yeah. it. Well, it's funny because you're not the only one, Carlos. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not. Well, I was telling Sean, I actually uh, ended up uh, becoming friends with uh, one of his coaches. Um, when I went to the to the Friday night, when it was just like the whole introduction and the, the releasing of the brackets, I ended up standing next to this guy. And it turned out um, he was one of uh, Lachlan Giles' coaches uh jt was his name a super nice guy super nice guy and we just started going just back and forth talking about it and we were talking about uh lachlan's like performance at uh at kinetic and then what like we were going to expect and all sorts of stuff so all throughout the weekend we were just kind of talking back and forth and and catching up and see what was going on so it was pretty cool to see you know kind of get a behind the scenes of what to expect from the guy from from the very beginning so it was kind of almost expected like i think there was a they were expecting him to do a little bit better on the the weight division but yeah. the absolute he definitely caught everybody off guard 
And I think that happens with the issue that he was virtually, and, and no disrespect to Giles, but he was virtually the unknown guy. He was definitely not the bigger name there. So a lot of these bigger guys, you know, with their weight, their size, their technique, and their their backgrounds and accolades, they might have just simply underrated him or not given the respect that the guy deserves and ended up submitting these bigger names. No, for sure. And I can tell you, like, even from being in the crowd, I think people were giving more credit to guys like Josh Blank, and uh, and the other ADCC trials like winners more than they were giving Lachlan like any credit for for his accolades. I think a few people knew about what happened to Kinetic and what he can do, but yeah, I I think he definitely caught a lot of people off guard. I agree. 100%. What do you think, Sean? Well, <clears throat> sorry guys, I, uh, I I I've known about Lachlan. He's been one of my guys that I've been like paying attention to because when Craig Jones came onto the scene, he was always training with him. So I've known who he was. I've paid attention to who he was. But to see that like he became a star right in front of everybody's eyes during those finals, even though he didn't win, you know, the whole thing, I think he's the story of the tournament. For sure. So. I know you and I were kind of going back and forth uh, on this stuff, um, Carlos. What was yes. the biggest match for you this past weekend? Buchecha and Gordon Ryan, by far. I mean, those were the two biggest names. Um, you know, Gordon obviously being as vocal as he is in, in social media and, you know, that, that coming with the big expectations. Buchecha being, you know, undoubtedly – the king of super heavyweights uh, w- when it comes to, to grappling, period. It, it, that was, you know, the biggest name match for me, you know. Um, there were a couple of people that I, I knew that they would do good, but they definitely surprised me how good they did. Um, so, but by far, Buchecha Ryan was the biggest match for me. Do you think that from, from your experience, was that almost kind of a, passing of the guard, if you will, on on uh, being the best. I mean, Bouchesha has been around for so long, but it seems like he's kind of tapered down a little bit on his competing. You know, it, I don't know if that would be the right thing to say because then you have Tanquinho versus, you know, um, Kennedy. And Tanquinho has been around for ages. I mean, this was his, his, his fourth, his, his fourth or fifth ADCC, and, you know, he looked dominant as ever. But nonetheless, you know, Kennedy, again, the new guard, the, he, the kid is super young. He's been around jiu-jitsu ever since, you know, he was in, 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 in a cradle, but, you know, the kid performed phenomenally. So I don't know if passing of the guard more than, you know, solidifying Ryan's true skills. Uh, that, you know, obviously the guy is not all hype. The, the guy has true talent, his physicality, his technique. And, you know, to add a little bit more credit, I've heard him coach several times. His coaching is absolutely on point. And I, you know, I, I might even have to say it's probably, you know, 
one of the best unknown coaches I've heard coaching somebody on the side. Well, it's funny because I went to his seminar a couple of months ago, and to hear him break things down when he was obviously showing everybody the different techniques. I, and even if you if you watch him uh, cornering Keenan when he competed at the, the Nogi Pans, uh, was that a few weeks ago? It was like a month ago. Like 100%. No, yeah. 100%. You're right. The way that he coaches, it's so clear, so precise, where it's just hearing him and how he breaks it down. It's like, no, 100%. That's exactly the solution that you need for the problem that you're facing at that point in time. Absolutely. Carlos, I have a question. Yeah. During that final match between Pushisha and Gordon, did you agree with that penalty? A one a one hundred percent. In my opinion, and, and I and I was very attentive, and actually, I even pulled the notebook. Something that I usually do if I'm judging uh, an event, uh, especially ADCC, I'll pull some paper and a pencil, and I was taking my little personal notes. And I actually would have given Buchecha the negative penalty before he actually got it. Why is that? Um, you can see throughout the match that. Gordon was attempting to progress the whole time. And even though Buchecha never disconnected or dis, you know, genuinely disengaged, the only thing he did was defend. For the one exception where, you know, uh, to quote uh, John Danaher, fuck it, go for a footlock, um, that he did, you know, that was the only time he, he attempted he attempt anything he, he generally I don't think he really tried to pass guard at any given point he was there on his knees protecting his legs protecting the arm drag protecting the back take I'm not doing much I think there, there, so that's the reason I mean I definitely agree with you I think there was one little point in time where there was a light scramble and they like you heard everybody in the crowd just oh, and then Ryan just recovered the guard so quickly and then yeah. Correct. And even then, it's before the points even started, Gordon had the one sweep. And then, I mean, he he really did kind of just control the whole match. And it's funny because the way that you break it down is the same way that that Gordon broke it down online because obviously he likes to go back and forth with people shit-talking. But he was saying the exact same thing. He's like, I spent the entire time attacking his legs. He didn't have any rest. So his only options was to backpedal. Like he didn't, he didn't really yeah. make any any real attempts at at anything. So, uh, and Alex, and I don't know if you got an opportunity to go to to the formal rule no. meeting. No, did I didn't you? get to. Like honestly, they kind of did it so late that it kind of everybody just forgot that it was even going to happen. But from what I heard, okay. is that they weren't that detailed. So you know, one of the things that they explain on the rules meeting is it's, you know, they're very detailed. Um, You know, some of the things that, you know, might be vague, but one of the things that I know um, Peter and the guys at ADCC really focus on is explaining and making sure that everybody understands the circumstances about negative Mm -hmm. points. And And that the funny part is like you bring Um, it up is that from being in the crowd and obviously I mean, from you and I talking about it so many times and me always picking your brains, like I felt like I was pretty solid on the understanding of how the rule system works in ADCC. 
But to be in a room full of all these jujitsu nerds and hear everything, that was the biggest issue was people did not understand the aspect of aggression moving forward and that there wasn't a penalty, but it was an actual negative point. And- right. So, you know, and one thing that the commentators, again, you have to command everybody in the production. One of the things that the commentators continuously said during the, the broadcast was that ADCC is known by being submission fighting, not grappling, not, you know, it's submission fighting. The, you can watch, you know, especially this year, the physicality of ADCC, it's a little bit more crude, I would say, you know. The guys, when, when they club on the neck, it's a little bit rougher than you see in yeah. other events, you know? The, the take more aggressive. A lot more aggressive. Thank you, <laughs> Sean. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, it, it's a lot more aggressive. And, and again, if you look at the official name, it's submission fighting. Not submission grappling. Submission fighting. And it, it, mm. it really is. I mean, so, and that's what I think the biggest thing that kind of allowed – Nikki Rodriguez to really move forward was I think he's the one that really played it more to the way that the the system is really designed for is guys like him where he can sit there and just go after someone like Orlando Sanchez over and over and over again to the point where nothing even really really happened but he pushed them so far back for so long that Orlando just gassed out oh no absolutely and you know to to Everybody says uh, in regards to Nicky Rodriguez, he, again, comes in with a lot of hype. It's, you know, he comes in as, you know, Gordon, one of Gordon Ryan's training partners, one of John Danaher's, the, the new guard of the death squad. But, you know, if all the, if all the comments are true, this kid just started training jiu-jitsu. I don't care how, how well burst of a wrestler he is. We've had D1 wrestlers in mm. Jiu-Jitsu before. He, he wasn't, by the way. He's a D3. There you go. Not even a D1. So, you know, we never had, you know, this kid is something special. You know, this, and I say kid because to me he's a kid, um, but he, he's truly. Everybody. <laughs> you know, he's a young guy, physical as hell, 230 pounds, 6'3", and he moves like a middleweight. You know, he moves like a 77, 88 kilo guy. The kid's something to, to pay attention so, to. So, really. hold on. Before we get back into, into Nikki, I did want to ask you one question, and I brought it up to you before, too. The One of the big um, moments in that Bouchesha and Gordon Ryan match was towards the end where a lot of people thought that Gordon pulled guard again and he should have been penalized. Do you agree with the no call from the ref on that one? Yes. So you have to, again, understand how the rule is explained, the, the actual rule, and how it's enforced. Okay? It's, the, there's, there's a couple of aspects here. If somebody, if you blatantly sit to guard and hold a position for three seconds or longer, then you, then get, you get the negative point. But in the same token, if I'm already on my guard and we get up, scramble, we have a circumstance that there's no nonstop motion and I end up back on my guard, I'm not getting punished for that. Now, why is that? 
because it, everything is in a continuous motion. It's a, it's just, it's a chain link. It's a link mm. of events. One thing links to the other and to the next. So one of the techniques that Gordon played really well with the rules was he would go from a seated guard yeah. to a knee back to his seated guard. So it's really... And he never got penalized right. for that. But he did it just in time before that three three count to get So it was, it's really more about the fact that he didn't really advance his position to something totally different is that hey, he was playing in a continuous flow of up, down, up, down. Well, correct. So, for example, I can pull guard, okay? And, you know, so before the, before the point mm -hmm. period begins, so I get no, pen, no penalty, the point period begins, I'm still on my guard. I don't I get see, punished for that. Somebody right? did get penalized for that. I remember someone did get penalized. I'm trying to remember who it was, but it was they – I want to say that it was either somebody had somebody's back before the point started and then they reset them and they ended up having the back and then they gave them the points for it. Mm, that that might have, I don't know the match. I would have to watch it and I'll have to see the time frame. I'll, um, I'll study it again. I mean, I'm going to be watching those matches for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you, you have to let me know which match so we can study it and can discuss it intelligently. Because I, I would hate to make a call right, on something right. that I did. So I'm sorry to interrupt you. Keep going. No, you're good. So, again, so I'm on my guard already. Now points begin. I don't get penalized for that. I sat to guard before the point period began. Now, during the point period, if I stand up and, you know, we take a couple of steps and then I sit back to guard, yes, I get a negative point. But if I stand up, one, 1,000, two, 1,000. I see that nothing's going to work, and I sit back down before that three that three count. I don't get penalized. Right. So to switch matches then, that was the issue with Paolo Miao. Now, Paolo Miao played the point system because he did pull guard because he didn't want to get caught in Nicky Ryan's leg lock game. So he was going to take the negative Correct. point to be able to get two. Right, he was very willing to take that negative to get the sweep because he knew he could sweep it. And so, you know, he, he got the negative, he got the sweep, so that negative one, two to negative one, he balances to one point, so that's the difference. So let me ask you, that doesn't add up, right? So I could sit there and pull guard and spend the next 15 minutes or really the next 10 on my ass and I won't rack up more points after that? Like once I'm down, I only get that one negative point. I can spend the rest of the time. Yeah, because you're not getting up again. You only sat to guard one time. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, and we've talked about it before, just kind of the, not the confusion, but the mystique of the, of the ADCC rules where it's kind of like it forces people to say, I have to keep going. I can't sit there and play the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is something that, you know, um, the, the rules have evolved very little, but they have evolved from from when we started, uh, at least from when I started with ADCC. And it forces for the athletes to come forward, to be as aggressive as so possible. So then it brings me up to the next point, and, and I think this is the one that caused the most kind of issues, obviously, is the Cyborg-Nicky Rod match. Yeah, that was...
that one was the one that concerned me the most because I thought Cyborg won that one. Yeah, and and you know what? And here, this is one of the reasons. You know, I, I'm. You read on social media and people saying, "Oh, the referees favor Nicky Ryan." I'm, I'm sorry, Nicky Rodriguez because he came with Gordon Ryan and all this other stuff. Uh, people need to understand something. If you look at all the referee and the staff, the, the refing and judging staff from ADCC at the World Championships, the great majority of these guys are from very far places and have very little, very little association with anybody for that exact same reason. Um, so, and there's a process when a match finishes in a zero zero, there is a process where there are two judges on the table plus the referee that on the mat. And it has to be a majority vote. So, there are two judges minimum that saw that match go Nikki Ryan, uh, Nikki Rodriguez way. I'm sorry, I apologize. So, in my personal opinion, it was an extremely close match. But you are correct. I would have perhaps given it to Cyborg after watching it on video. These guys don't have the luxury to yeah. watch it two, three times. They only get See, to watch that's it when the thing. What- because I'm taking into account what you said with the Gordon and Bouchesha match and then what happened with Paolo and Nikki. Because at the end of the day, then Cyborg played the same kind of game against Nikki. The difference is, is that Nikki was being aggressive on trying to pass the guard, but he couldn't pass Cyborg's guard at all. Right. So, so, you know, watching it and taking things into consideration – I can clearly see why would someone give it to Nicky Rodriguez. He was very aggressive. He, he attempted doing the cartwheel passes. He, you know, he would throw Cyborg's legs to the side. But again, it's Cyborg. His guard is freaking unreal, especially for a guy in 240 pounds. You know? His guard retention is absolutely ridiculous. His flexibility, his strength. I mean, this is why the guy is so successful at what he does. But you know, you can see Nicky Ryan being the aggressor during yeah. the overtime. Yeah, he really I mean, he was aggressive the whole time. But during the overtime, he was clearly a lot more aggressive. So I can also see why would someone call it for Nicky Rodriguez. Do you think that the fact that Cyborg had the, the closest or he, he had that submission attempt, that should play more of a role in the decision-making process besides just the aggression aspect of everything? It did to me. But do you think that, like, the other refs didn't take that into consideration? Obviously, they didn't. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, but again, like I said, to me, watching, having the luxury of watching that match three, four times on video, it's different than being seen sitting there and yeah. getting to watch it one time when it happens. You know, what's funny too, is that I forget what match it was, but one of the referees, it was zero zero. And uh, it was just the first 10 minutes and the referee was going straight into the decision. Even the announcer came running in to get ready to announce the, the winner. Mm-hmm. And they completely forgot about the five minutes of overtime. Right. 
I forget what match that was. What match was that? Was it? I I want to say it had to be like um. It had to be either a Gordon Ryan match or it had to be the the Wagner JT match. I'm pretty sure it was Wagner JT. You know, Wagner lost to a back take, so there shouldn't be any overtime there. Yeah, but that was that one did go to overtime, didn't it? Uh, oh yeah, I, I think yeah, no, JT did take his back on the overtime. Yeah, JT got his back on the overtime, but yeah, I would, don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure that was the match where the the announcer was about to call like a winner, and then right there, like, like even I started yelling like, "What are you doing? Like you got it's still zero zero. Like the ref didn't even realize it was zero zero. You know, and, they, in, and one thing that I want to say. You know, and people think, uh, I just literally, before we started the cast, um, I read somebody, obviously somebody's going to have something negative to say, but obviously. listen, no one's perfect. Someone will make a mistake. As a referee, as a judge, there were a couple of times where I saw certain mistakes that, you know, I do my best to avoid them. I'm not saying that I would have not made them. But I do my best to avoid those mistakes. In my opinion, some of them were more basic than others. Um, but, man, we're human. We make mistakes. It's the heat of the mm-hmm. moment. This is the biggest no-gi grappling event in the world. It only happens once every two years. And, you know, there's a lot of energy and pressure. And yeah. even just as, as an announcer, you know. So it, it can so happen to are you allowed to say which one you thought was like the basic mistake that should yeah, be made? Yeah, Kanan, Kanan versus Yuri Zimoev. Oh, yeah. You know, that, one that was, was a bad. huge mistake. You that know? one was really bad. So, in my opinion, I, I know. I mean, I, I completely agree with you because I text you as soon as it happened. I, th- I still have the text. I'm like, what the fuck was that? Was that a mistake or is it just me? You're like, no, you so, definitely. You know, again, I, I have to reiterate. You know, in the heat of the moment, I can see somebody making that mistake, trying to get them restarted. And, you know, the commentators, they, they even they even said at some points, oh, here starts the battle of how to do the restart. You know, but, you know, when, when they went off the mat, as a referee, one of the things, and again, I'm a little bit more vocal than most of the guys. Uh, a lot of the refs, that uh, I recognize most of them. Most of them are from Finland, um, mm. even though they all speak perfect English. But I can see where there might be a language barrier for a moment. I don't think this particular ref was one of the Finnish guys. But he made a mistake. When I see athletes going towards the edge of the mat, I either try to get myself in the place so they hit me before they get to the edge, or... I will verbally just yell, stop, for the action to stop. Now, you know that they're not going to stop. Mm -hmm. But from the moment I say stop, that's it. That's where the match finished. And that's where I'm going to restart it. So, (laughs) excuse me. So, for to get your explanation of the rule, because it seemed like it was such a blurred line for the weekend. Let's say we do a takedown. I go to take the guy down. As we land outside, I I basically land on top. Now, are you going to restart us with me on top, or are we starting over standing up? Where did the takedown begin? Let's say we're 
10 feet out from the, the edge of the... 10 feet, that's plenty of room. So if the takedown begins and it's part of the process, mm -hmm. I'm going to restart whoever ends up at the end on top. By the moment that I say stop, at that moment, that's how I'm going to restart you. Mm. Which, in my opinion, is not what happened with Kanan and Yuri. No, but he also allowed the scramble to continue for quite some time. In a lot of the matches, the scrambles were continuing way off of the mat. And a lot of times, and a lot of times, you have to do that because it will be impossible to recreate a position. Right. You know, so you have to allow. You know, uh, at the West Coast trials, there were a couple of matches that I would literally, you know, people would sit around the mat and I would, I was starting like pushing people away mm -hmm. because a guy had a submission. I'm not going to, you know, the guy put a lot of work to get to that submission. I'm not just going to tell him to stop and not give it to him. Yeah. So I think that was also the, the situation in that particular match. But so let's say that we stop at the point where Kanan had Yuri's back and you freeze that frame. You take a copy, and I saw this, you take a copy of how they restarted back on the mat. They're supposed to start in the same position. It was quite different. Yeah. And it was in a position that is a lot more difficult for Yuri to escape. Do I think that the outcome would have been different? No, because Yuri, I believe he injured his knee yeah. on that takedown before Kanan took his back. And seeing him perform after that and walking after that, I think Kanan would have been able to take advantage of his injury and still beat him. Yeah. So now the the, the way that, that I remember seeing, and I'm going to have to double check it, obviously, it was Yuri, they were already out. And Yuri was like basically on his hands and knees because his knee had already hurt. The ref yelled stop, like you said, as they were going out. So Yuri stopped, but Kanan kept going. And Kanan went on into like full on sinking in the choke. So then it was like it took like a couple of minutes to get them back into where they were. And they basically just said, Kanan, take his back. And that was it right after that. Now, and obviously, you know, on the video, as I watched it, I don't have a microphone on the referee. So I don't know yeah. when he mentioned his instructions. So I can't blame the guy for that. Of course. But. Where I saw the issue for me was at the point that the referee got hands on them, Kanan had took Yuri's back yeah. under over just the two hooks inside heel to heel. Mm -hmm. When they restarted on the mat, it was under over with a body lock. So, I mean, at the end of the day, then you got to play the advantage anyway. No, and again, listen, the guys are going to do everything that they can to squeeze whatever advantage they can. Yeah. But, you know, as practitioners ourselves, we know it's a lot harder to get somebody off your back when they have a body lock on. Yeah, that's for sure. And I know there was a couple other matches. I'm trying to remember who it was. I remember it was on that one on the first day. And I want to say it was Gordon Ryan. And he had like a body triangle on one side. And when the ref reset them, he had the body triangle on the totally opposite side. So it was one of those things where the ref should have noticed like, hey, that's not the way that, that they ended things. But it's it's almost impossible to get everything exactly right. On no, you're not going to get every single minuscule detail perfect. You, you, you know, these guys, you know, uh, 
it, it, being a referee, and you and I, we, we have talked about this quite substantially. Yeah. It's a very um, unappreciated and very difficult job. Anybody that has done a referee or a judge job, it's, uh, you know, it's unappreciated. It's not easy. You have to be knowledgeable. All these guys. And listen, ADCC is not going to put any bum out there to referee. You know, all these guys are well-educated. You know, they're, they know what they're looking for. They know what they're working. And, you know, they have lots of experience. So I noticed so, that there was a lot more refs at the, at the table than the one I'm used to seeing. So what's the actual setup supposed to be? There's the one ref on the mat, and then mm-hmm. there's a is there supposed to be th- a minimum of two. Okay. Minimum. And now who gets the, the final call on something? Is it the one on the mat or is it the one at the table? The referees on the the judges mm-hmm. on the table have the final call. The referee on the mat is more for safety and for a confirmation on a zero-zero match. Mm-hmm. And also kind of like the judge's eyes because, you know, in a situation if, you know, somebody takes someone's back and you can't really see from the table sometimes, you know, does does he have both hooks in? Yeah. You know, is the body triangle locked here or there? Is the hand here or there? So sometimes from the table you can't see those things. So, and I actually believe in, there was a match. I do not remember which one, but um, Peter had to get up from the table, the head judge for ADCC, mm-hmm. and go to corroborate how the guys were situated to bring them back to the middle in the same position because they were arguing about it. I believe that was, because oh, I know exactly the match you were talking about. He came in to, to sit there and help readjust them, and they kind of rolled in. I want to say it had to be... Um, damn, it was Matt one. I think it was like Gary Tonin or something like that. It was one of the Gary Tonin matches. I'm pretty sure. I, 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 I tell you what, man, Gary Tonin's always been an entertaining guy, but man, he put a show. Oh, for sure. If it hadn't been for JT, I, I feel like he would have won the entire thing. I, 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 mean, I don't know. Back, Wagner Walker was on fire. Yeah. And, and that the best fact, the fact for me was that it was a rematch from their, I think it was Kasai. It was either fight to win or Kasai match that they had a, about two or three months ago that, or might've been longer, but it was JT against Wagner and JT, I think beat him with like a heel hook or something. So it was, it, it was, I think that was uh, JT and Wagner. They had a, yeah. a match on fight to win in Philly. Yes. It was the Philly card. Yeah. yeah, and JT just beat him with a with a heel hook. So I know that that Wagner really wanted that one anyway, and it was just the tiniest little mistake on his part. Now let's say without the the back take finish, let's say the match kept on going the way that it was going, would that have gone to JT or would that have gone to Wagner? He probably would have gone to a double over overtime because remember that was a final. Yeah. So he would have probably gone to a double overtime. Okay, so same question, just longer time. Let's say it was just that Wagner pushing and, and moving forward as much as he did, and it just kept on going the same way. Which way would you push something like that? Because, yes, Wagner was pushing the pace, but JT was kind of countering everything a little bit. Yeah, it was, that would have been an extremely difficult to match. Uh, I mean, because 
just like you said, Wagner was being more aggressive. I think JT was perhaps being a little bit more efficient. Mm-hmm. So um, that that would have been a match that I would have hated to have to make a decision. And still, you know, just you asking me that way, I hate to be vague and non-committal. Yeah. But it, it would have been extremely difficult to pick. Yeah, well, that, because it, that's what I'm curious about is just because if it feels like there's so many different styles to – possibly that can to work really well with the ADCC rule set compared to like IBJJF where it was like you play the points, you stall, you win. With ADCC, you don't really get that because you could sit there and be stalling, but the person on top is being more aggressive, but the person at the bottom is being more efficient, then which way does it go? You know, So that's kind of what I'm curious is I feel like Wagner style is great for it. Like, no, Wagner style is very good for it, you know. Um, again, in another match that, that it was very difficult to, to judge was, you know, Muhammad Ali versus Nick Rodriguez. Yeah. You know, you, you got those two monsters out there going at it, tossing tables left and right. Breaking TVs. And, you know, it, it, was, it was a very... Again, another match that it would have been very difficult to judge. Um, and again, there, I thought there were a couple of circumstances where, as a ref, I would have done things a little different. But you know, looking at the circumstances of what transpired at, at the heat of the moment, that would have been very difficult to judge as well. So, what your what would your response have been for that one moment where? they reset them and Nikki just snatched his neck like right off the bat. And Ali was like, uh, what the fuck is going on? Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in Ali's defense, you know, the referee has said stop, but the clock was run. Yeah. In Nick's defense, you know, the guy comes from a hard nosed wrestling background. Again, the kid just literally started to get to two, three years ago. Um, his mentality, if that clock is running, I'm going. For yeah. It. You know, I'm nonstop until the clock stops. So I don't know if he heard the referee say stop or not. He just turned around, looked at the clock, he's running. I'm going to go for his neck. Yeah. So as a referee, then you take control of the situation. The referee did right, tell him, stop, dude. What are you doing? No, get off of his neck. That's it. You know, what it would have been bad, it would have been a circumstance where, you know, Say he would have done a flying arm bar and he would have hurt off. Yeah. And he could have not continued. Then that's a problem. So how would you address it? I, I, I'm a little bit, and again, you've seen me referee. I'm a little bit more hands-on and more like, no, get, stop, yeah. pump. And I try to be a little bit more vocal. Um, you know, so, and I think that's, that's, it comes with the territory, you know, it's, Everybody has different styles, just like you have people have different style of jiu-jitsu. Refs have different style of wrestling. Okay, but now now you're ducking me. You're ducking my question. How would? You- no, I'm not. I'm saying that I would have been a little bit more vocal and more clear. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the the one circumstance that to me raised a little bit of awareness, and I hope I'm not mistaken, but in one of the scrambles on the takedowns, and it was close to the edge of the mat. I think Nick initiated the takedown. Yes. 
Or, no, I'm sorry. Ali initiated the takedown. Nick countered up on with top. a Ali rolling to the takedown and kind of like a Osoto Gari and ended up on top, but everything initiated inside, but they ended up on the outside. And again, if I would have not said stop and Ali would have ended up on top, guess what? I would have restarted him on top. Mm. And I don't think that ever happened. No, yeah, that was the I was one of the weird ones where they smashed into the table. I think that was probably right. like the first match of the day that everybody ran into the table. Um, and it always seemed to happen just on mat three for whatever reason. But I think that was the one where they reset into having like Nikki on top, which is where all this stuff came from. I have to double check it too, but yeah, I know exactly the the take that you're talking about because I was I was just trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Yeah, and and you know what? It, it, that's that's a similar situation that I personally had one year uh, refing uh, Rafa Mendes from um, Art of Jiu Jitsu, uh, and I forget who the heck he was competing against. But again, those guys at the smaller weight mm. class, they move around so much that. You know, it's difficult to, you know, as a referee in the heat of the moment, number one, I'm trying for these guys not to get injured. And two, I'm trying to be impartial and look at the totality of the circumstance so I can make a judgment call on who gets a score or not. Mm. So, you know, they, they started rolling and scrambling and rolling and scrambling for like four minutes nonstop. And it's like, who the hell initiated all this mess? Right. You know? So, it, Ali and, and, you know, Nick Rodriguez, those two guys, even though they're definitely not, you know, 55 kilos, um, they move yeah. like that. <laughs> well, that's funny because I remember when we were talking, it might have been the last podcast, but I remember you and I talking about if you were refereeing someone like Lowe, where you know that he likes to play the edge of the board to try right. and sit there with something happens, then we're going to get reset anyway. So you try and prepare by by cutting that off. Correct. I, I again, and, and I mentioned that earlier in the cast that you know one of the things that I personally do, I put myself at the edge of the mat, and as a referee, you stand back. You you're not in the middle of the action. You're just privileged to have the second best seat. But I stand back. But you can sometimes somewhat predict the direction of where the match is going and try to be on that edge of the mat. So when they start getting close to the edge, I can say either stop or be in place to not only protect them from landing on the, on the floor, but also protect the tables and, you know, photographers and the people around. Yeah. I know one photographer lady got smashed like three times in one match. I felt so bad for her, but it's like, well, you know what? I didn't get the photograph, so whatever. I don't feel bad for her. <laughs> you don't feel too no, bad. No, but so kind of going back on the refs, I know you said that they – I know that some of them were Finnish and some of them weren't, whatever, but is being a black belt a prerequisite to being an ADCC ref? Oh, to be honest, I don't – think so but i think everybody is i was a brown belt when i began uh but again i've been with abcc over 15 years yeah. now so um shoot more than that but anyways um but it, it, i mean again thinking 
and you know Nico, Yarno, Marco, Peter, George, all those guys that I know that work directly, you know, with with ADCC and all those guys from Finland. If I'm not mistaken, I think every single one of them are blind. Oh, all of them are. Right. Blind. Yeah, because it's funny because I'm thinking like, well, the one main ref was the the big tall white dude with short hair, and he was he was doing a fairly good job. I think he had one or two minor mistakes that I, obviously I could tell, like you know, almost announcing the the match before it was truly over and small things like that. But I, uh, to be honest, there was only the one ref that, that we talked about. Obviously, I'm going to try and not be like a total dick and call him out on it. But, you know, his mistake was so grave that he ended up not refereeing any other matches. But so all in all, I think it was good. And, and you know, if that was the case, I mean, you see, that's how, you know, that's how they run the show, man. This guy's, you got to be on your best. This is, again, this is the best of the best. So you make a critical mistake like that. It's like, hey, bud, you know, sit outside, you know, help us keep an eye. But, you know, let some, let have somebody else with a little bit more experience, uh, you know. And, and also in Europe, uh, they are more accustomed to ADCC style. Um, we have a lot more ADCC events in Europe that you know we are accustomed here in the U.S. Carlos, I have a question. Yes, sir. <clears throat> so the uh, Fionn Davis Biamaskib match with the arm getting almost twisted backwards. Would you have stopped that? Earlier, or would you wait for the tap on that? I wait. You wait for the tap. It's uh, sorry, guys. Um, at this level, I, I wait for the tap. You know, they are professionals. These people are bidding for a substantial amount of money, uh, prestige. There, a lot of these people. I'm going to tell you right now. Nick Rodriguez, his career just skyrocketed. You know. Uh, Giles, his career just, I'm telling you, his DVD Heel Hook series is coming. Um, they, your career can skyrocket. This is something that can either make you or break you uh, in this industry. So I'm going to let them go. I don't know their pain threshold. That's not my problem. It's your problem. Until you show me, you know, that you are in pain, that you cannot take it by a screen, a verbal tap. You know, or a physical tap, I'm gonna let it go. No, I feel you. And, and I'll give you a perfect example. He, even though he did not compete this year, AJ Agrazan. I've seen that guy get Kimura and his hand go all the way to the back of his neck in a Kimura and not tap and get and out. The same thing happened with Paolo against uh, Rutolo, where he, like that photo is going all over the place. I want. Oh, yeah, look at that freak. Oh, my gosh. That looks disgusting. I I was, you know? And, and I can't tell if, like, if the knee is it bending against the kneecap. Is it bending sideways? Is it bending with the No, that one, that one definitely was bending the, the perfectly wrong way, and he didn't tap. And the best part, <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but Jovino, um, like, uh, put his photo under that one. Yes. And that I was, like, that. hilarious. He's like, yeah, it's not old school, new school. It's just having heart. Like, eh. It's also having knees, but, you know, whichever. See, and then Fion actually did the same thing, Sean. Uh, I don't know if you got to see it, but Fion got her leg snapped. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, like, yeah. Dion got her leg snapped. I don't know if they showed it uh, on the, the live feed, but they showed it up on the TV. After, uh, I forget her name. I'm so sorry. I forget her name. She After she snapped Fionn's foot, like Fionn's leg was still out, but her foot was limp and flat on the floor. Like that's how bad her foot got snapped. And she hobbled right past me. And I'm like, I don't know how you're doing it, but you're definitely not rolling for the rest of the year. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and in contrast to that, um, I remember this specifically, and I think it was at the Worlds in 2005 in Trenton, New Jersey. I was refereeing one of Kira Gracie's matches, and she was just on Butterfly Guard, and all of a sudden, I heard like a rubber band mm. snap. But there was no odd movement. She just had put pressure the wrong way into her knee from a Butterfly Guard. And I remember like it was yesterday because it was so weird and you hear the snap and it took like three seconds and then she started screaming in pain. But you could obviously tell that it was something bad that went on her knee. You know, I heard the snap. I didn't stop the match. But, you know, when she obviously showed pain enough that she couldn't take it, stop the match and, okay, let's address the circumstance. But, you know, if she would have not shown any pain. She let so it do go. you stop it? At a scream, or would you let it keep going until like it was like okay, no, they're grabbing their arm or their leg and they can't move? No, 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 no. If, if it's a scream, um, you know, there's a difference between a scream and a grunt or of scream. like you know what I call the ultimate power. You're just grunting to get some right. extra power. If it's a scream, I'm gonna stop it. Do you scream? You tap. That's a verbal tap. So it's like if they're going super yeah. saiyan, you let it slide. Yeah, if you just right, if you're just yelling, getting your chi and <laughs> super saiyan. So what out. about if it's like a one of those like obvious like just grunts or whatever of frustration? Like let's say someone goes to take my back and it was off of a dumb stupid mistake, and I'm just like ah, and like is that something where you? If it's frustration and you're obviously not in danger of being injured, right. I'm not like, I, I mean, again. Let's let's think about the event. So we're talking about ADCC World Championships here. If you do that at the ADCC World, I know you're not being injured and you're just frustrated. Right. You know? Come on. Let's just so, let it go. I'm going to give these guys every opportunity that I can with having their safety in mind to get out of the submission. So from your point then, obviously having refed ADCC before and haven't done all this stuff before, but getting to see it from home this time, is there something that kind of popped in your head where just seeing it, you're like, that's something we got to fix, or that's something that, you know, you might have to tweak the rule for? There's one thing that I've always been an advocate of, uh, but I don't think the, the committee has any intention of changing the rule. And for me is a takedown where my opponent doesn't go directly to their back and say, for example, like a belly, a belly to back suplex, my opponent lands mm. on their knees. I still took you down to the ground against your intention. So, you know, in wrestling, yeah. that's two points. You know, I would award me 
my personal choice, that's a lot of work. I would award, you know, I would give some kind of reward right. for that. You're, you're going to actually give them the points for the actual takedown. It's the- I would because, you know, it, you know, now you're in a turtle position. You know, look at Gordon Ryan. I think he took everybody's back yeah. from that position. No, I mean, even so, I think at one point, like Gordon, not Gordon, um, Gary was rolling at some points to try and get the legs and stuff, and he just couldn't do it. But that was coming off of like a turtle position. So, yeah. you know, one, I'll give you an example. A guy that he was, I mean, he doesn't compete at ACC anymore, but he was phenomenal with mm-hmm. Shonda Hibedo. You know, people would take him down, but he knew how to play with the rules and he just turned belly down. And yeah, they replaced right. his I remember guard. that. Like, he, he would never get any points. He would just kind of flatten out. Yeah, he would belly down, and man, that's not points. So, I mean, personally, if I had any say so, yeah, I would give some kind of reward. Maybe not the two full points, maybe one, um, but I would reward for that. Did, he, did he announce? I don't know because I wasn't watching the stream. He was commentating. He actually was really good. And, and you know, again, as knowledgeable as he is, he was giving kind of tips of, you know, if I'm here, this is what I would do. And then you would see yeah. the guys go ahead and do it. It was awesome. I, I, he, he was honestly, very I didn't remember seeing him because the matches were going so crazy. Like, obviously, this was my first ADCC. I was just completely blown away. I was so excited to watch everything. I just, I literally sat at my seat. For two days straight, I waited the entire time, both days, to go to the bathroom. I didn't have any food or nothing. I just sat there and watched this. But it was one just legend after another, after another, after another just coming out. Like just the 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 days of the the introduction, Marcelo was there. Um, Eddie Bravo came in on the last day. Like, Shonda was there. Like, just everybody was there. And at one point, I think uh, Anderson Silva was there, supposedly. I didn't even see him. Which... Yeah, he was there the second day. They, they showed him a couple of times. And, you know, he he trained uh, – uh, Andre Galvan used to be his jiu-jitsu yeah. coach for quite some time. So. What would you think about there. that super fight? It wasn't that super to me. Uh, <laughs> Man, you're looking at two guys that, you know, they were two and two before going yeah. into this match. Um, so they both had something to prove. Um, I think they were both a little bit more cautious than usual. Um, but you can see uh, Andres wrestling and physicality just I, take It over. literally looked to me. Um, it, it was probably not as exciting as we wish yeah. it could have been. But, you know, it, it I, to me, it literally, whether it was Galvao imposing himself on, on Pena, but, like, it literally felt like Felipe just didn't even prepare for this. Like, he didn't do any work for it. He just kind of like, yeah, I just showed up and I just did it. And, and you know, you know what preguisa in Portuguese means mm. a sloth. And, and and if I'm not mistaken, that's kind of like where his nickname comes from. Because he looks, Floppy. he has that yeah. look. And if you ever see him in other matches, he's kind of like sloppy, you know, just like, uh, but he catches people. He's dangerous. And his back takes are really good. Um, you know, he's not 
super dynamic, but I think that's where Andre took advantage of it, and he was being, you know, imposing his will, being dynamic, and, you know, he looked yeah. like a And the funny wrestler. part is, it kind of looks like the same game that Gordon would do, and with the announcement of that super fight, it would be kind of crazy to sit there and think that Gordon wouldn't, like, or that Galvao would do anything different compared to, to how he went against uh, Fujita. I, I, think, I think you are partially right. And again, us as fans, my opinion, I don't think Galvao would do anything different, but oh, I think Gordon would do something different. I think Gordon would welcome Galvao's takedown to try to be able to engage with him and work. Now, do you think from your experience that they, they're going to allow him to, to do what he wants to do, which is like compete at weight, compete at absolute, and do a super fight? Um, definitely not compete at and absolute. The and, you know, the weight, um, you know, I, I think it's, heck, I'm curious enough yeah. to see him try it. You know, um, if he wants to do it, I cannot think, uh, you know, thinking on the rules all throughout, you know, I, I don't see anywhere that he says that he cannot compete at the weight class. That's... But again, th- you know, the committee yeah, I mean, will make a decision on that. But if he really wants to do it, we'll yeah. not in 2021. I mean, they got to protect the show for sure. But I mean, if you look at it, that would mean that he would have more matches than anybody else in 180cc because he's going to have to have all the weight matches, all the absolute matches, and then do the super fight. I mean, it would literally be the Gordon Ryan weekend. And and as a, from a promoter perspective, I wouldn't, from a curiosity perspective, I'll let him do weight and the super fight. I would not let him do the absolute. So I would not allow him to do nine matches in, throughout the event. Would it be because, like, you're but uh, I would hate right. to have the risk of injury. Would you do? What if you changed it you to know? have the weight first, then the super fight, and then absolute? <sighs> now you're trying to me. Now you ask me to yeah. run an event. Well, I'm just saying, long. like, if from from your <laughs> Well, hypothetically, you know, now you're changing the whole process of an event for a single individual, you know. And yes, as as attractive and and as uh, it may sound, you don't put an event around an individual. The individual comes. To I, I don't disagree with you. I th- I think I would just kind of, I would play the devil's advocate and be like, you know what? Like I'll give this kid a shot at trying to do something that's never been done before. But then I would. From a, fan, from a fan's point of view. Sure. A business man. It. Like, okay, I don't care. Right? I mean, do it. I want to see, yeah. I, I want to see somebody make history. You know, I love seeing records get broken. I love no, it. I listen. I agree with you, but all right. So I know it's getting late, but before we go, I wanted to sit there and do real quick. Um, to give a quick shout out, I don't know if you get to watch Gilbert's fight against Gunnar Nelson. Um, I saw the highlights, man. Gilbert, yeah, especially moving up in weight. So I just wanted to give a big shout out to Gilbert. Congratulations on the on the win. Now, 
we have uh, Whitaker against Adesanya coming up. So I want to try and get uh, some pickums just for two of the fights because to me, the rest of the card looks kind of shitty. So I want to say from Ally Aquinta against Dan Hooker, who do you have winning that fight? Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, unfortunately, that's when the audio started getting messed up. Uh, it's definitely not our best sounding podcast, which I apologize to Carlos and all of you for. Uh, it's just some technical difficulties that we were having with the actual recording. Again, completely apologize um, to everybody, but we still had a pretty fun time uh, kind of going over everything. And I know we're going to have uh, Carlos back sometime soon uh, now that we're going to have more time to, to really watch all the matches over again and dissect them further and, and kind of really dig deep into the rules of it. Um, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Once again, thank you to my buddy Brendan. I had a blast hanging out with you over at ADCC. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Choke Aloha, Jiu-Jitsu Soap, uh, Giraffe Choke. Um, thank you so much for, for everything, and uh, I guess we'll catch you guys next time. Peace. You can't leave <laughs>